Hi, I'm Micah. And I'm Chris. And this is the Donut Box Podcast. Hello, Chris. We are on episode number six. I can't even believe we're in episode number six. Also, Happy New Year to everyone, because this is our first episode of 2022. Yes, this is episode number six, but like you said, episode one of 2022, it's going to be the best one yet. We're going to kick the year off right. You're listening to the Donut Box podcast. It's amazing to me that we are broadcasting in eight states and in four countries. We have eight people, not eight people, eight states listening and four countries worldwide, so that's crazy to me. I, it's it's hard to believe that we're not only in different states, we are also worldwide. We want to thank our listeners. We want to thank everyone for being a part of this. You guys truly are Donut Box OG. So when this thing blows up, uh, we're not gonna forget this original fan base. That is for sure. And a little bit of a preview: we are going to be releasing some more videos, not just the podcast. So stay tuned into our youtube channel that is one of our goals of this new year is to release more content and we are going to release more videos so make sure that you check out our youtube page subscribe so that you can be aware of when we come out with new videos and we also plug during the end of the show but i'm going to do it at the beginning uh like you said new videos they're going to be on youtube also so if you subscribe to that you will get when they get released also check out our website because they will also be on the website um so without further ado for the returning listeners we are going to do the old-fashioned donut for the new listeners the old-fashioned donut is a story from chris and i's past and we have been friends since we were eight years old so we have many of those and i'm gonna let chris start this one off so for me to let you know the greatness of this story this story is about the time that we saw Ludacris live we didn't go to one of his concerts but he showed up to an event live before i do that let me backtrack the year was 2004 it was the year of sean john fubu fitted hats white tall tees and let me tell you if you were not wearing your 59 fitted hat with the sticker on it you were not legit echo i mean it was a interesting time it is one of my favorite times it's just nostalgic for me and this interesting time was also when the fast and furious movies came out when they first came out fast and furious and too fast too furious so back in that day everybody was about pimping out your ride tricking out your cars racing was a big deal absolutely pimp my ride was a big show on mtv and also you know tuners and imports were the big thing at the time you know there if you go through time there was you know more muscle cars this was definitely the tuner imports when they were big also spinners spinners were the big deal at the time yes tricking out your car and racing them and showing off what you had was really popular as was a new era of rap music i call it the dirty south rap with little john that was like yeah the atlanta rap and micah and i had just recently become friends and we were starting to uh you know hang out more and uh go on trips and our dads decided that we were gonna go see this car show in Atlanta and Micah's dad told my dad about this car show and my dad of course not knowing anything about that time 
was like, yeah, let's go. The year before that, my dad took me to this car show. It was at the Atlanta Motor Speedway in the middle of the Atlanta Motor Speedway. So, you know, there's the big grass area out there. And so they had this ginormous car show. And for me as a fourth grader, uh, almost fifth grader, I was excited to go to Atlanta. We didn't go to Atlanta that often. And it was cool to take a trip with my newfound best friend. And on the way up there, we were being goofy. We watched movies and we pretended to flip off truckers. We used our ring finger and my dad got mad when he realized what we were doing because all these truckers were honking at us. And he was like, Christmas, what you doing back there? You better not be flipping nobody off. And we were like, no, we're not flipping anybody off. But I digress. So we get to the car show and it was not what my dad expected. So Micah, tell him a little bit about what was at the car show. The best way I can describe Nopi uh, is wet and wild. That's what it was. It was a true blue car show with the wet t-shirt contest with the trucks with the hydraulics that would bounce. We even saw one flip over while we were there and just rows and rows of cars, but you know, half naked women, and at the time, just to give you a preference, we were, you know, in the fourth grade. Also, very, very religious. Very religious. In my eyes, I don't think I was at the age to where I, like, appreciate it. I think I was starting to get to that age. And I was just like, man, there's all these half-dressed women here. And for me, it was all about uh, looking at the cars, of course. And I remember we got these cool posters that I hung up in my room. They were like, the all these vendors were there, like from uh, Goodyear and all these people helping sell accessories to cars. And they gave us free posters. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And we go through the car show and we hear that there's going to be a wet t-shirt contest. And uh, as a father would do, he's my dad was like, all right, now we're going to have to go pretty soon. And right as we started to go, we saw Ludacris's tour bus pull up and everybody was making this big deal and everybody was surrounding his tour bus. And we saw Ludacris come out of the tour bus and it was pretty exciting. I remember it was a big deal to be like, oh man, I saw Ludacris come out of his tour bus. He was shorter than I thought in, in person, but uh, that that car show was, was really great. And right about the time that we were going to make our way out, there was the Jumbotron that was within the... Uh, raceway there and we ended up getting a little glimpse of the wet t-shirt contest at the time again we were too young to really appreciate what was going on we they gave us like these magazines i think and it was about the nopey girls and they, of course they had all their pictures and everything and i remember looking at it uh, on the way home and my dad i don't think knew that that was what was going to be going on and i'm pretty sure he said something to micah's dad about like hey like we're not going to stay here for the wet t-shirt contest you know my dad was very about you know i'm gonna treat my son to, you know raise my son to treat women right and respect them and not objectify them and so that was kind of a big deal and like micah said we were raised very religious so making sure that we were not having those quote-unquote lustful thoughts were a pretty big deal uh, bounce your eyes young man bounce your eyes i really something else i remembered just now as well is it was going to be the wet t-shirt contest and then there was going to be jello wrestling you know it was one of those kind of car shows yes and i remember it was probably a week or two later and my dad of course i've done the voice for you but he came in my room and he was like christopher 
I need to talk to you. And I was like, what is it, Dad? And he said, now I know when we went to that car show that you saw some things that you ain't too sure about. And you might have started feeling some type of way. You might have started having these feelings. And we need to talk about those kind of feelings that you're having. I'm not going to lie, Christopher. It was very hard for me to look away with all them boom booms hanging out. And I just want to tell you, Christopher, if you want to be a godly man, you got to melt your eyes. I know it's hard sometimes. It's even hard for your dad with them boom booms all the time. But, Christopher, you got to be a godly man and not treat women like they're a piece of meat. And I just remember that was a big deal, a big conversation that me and my dad had. And as we got older, we talked about this time. And knowing Chris's dad... He definitely did not know that this was the kind of event. I really think that he thought this was going to be a car show. There's just going to be cars, nothing more, maybe some racing. Well, my dad was older. He was like in his late 40s, early 50s when this happened. And so when he heard car show, he thought in his mind classic car shows. And those were pretty tame. And I think that's why he agreed. And I think Micah's dad did know what was going on. And he was probably like, oh, Dennis, I'm so sorry. But in reality, he knew what was going on. Taking two 10-year-old boys to a car show with half-naked women. Uh, side story with this. So one of the posters we brought home had, you know, half-naked lady on there. And it had a website at the bottom of it. And I remember that Chris and I talked about at one point, oh, let's let's go to this website. So we go to this website and... Um, if I remember correctly, Christopher talked me into it. I'm going to throw him under the bus. We, we do that. And shortly after it was his birthday, we went to this Mexican food restaurant that we always went to in town. I ended up telling his mom on his birthday, or actually his whole family on his birthday, that Chris looked up pornography <laughs> online. Let me clarify, it was not pornography. It was half-dressed women. So don't yes. don't make it look like I was, I was looking at bad stuff. I was just curious what the website was. It was bikini-clad women. That's all it was. So it wasn't, it wasn't actually like that but of course religious boys at that time were ooh that's that's terrible but in reality it wasn't that bad but just the sheer fact that I ratted my friend out on his birthday that's pretty messed up that was a good old fashioned donut that's about the time we went to the car show and we saw Ludacris live and I went home and went to school the next week and I told everybody that I saw Ludacris and they did not believe me. Of course, if you're 10 years old and you're claiming that you saw Ludacris, I wouldn't believe you either. But it happened. We actually did see him. Nobody believed me either. Nobody believed me either. Um, so our next segment is going to be the Jelly Donut, which is our jail report. So I have two stories today on that. The very first one is... A carjacker takes a selfie on the victim's phone that was left in the car. So, in Indianapolis, police found a photo of a carjacking suspect after he accidentally took a selfie after attacking a woman and stealing her car. While sitting in the car, waiting for... She, the person who got robbed was waiting for her mom to finish visiting this area, and... A stranger walked up, armed with a gun, pistol whipped her in the face, took the car, and later on, they end up finding the phone. Well, the very first thing that they found on the phone was a picture of the person who stole the car. What police think happened is 
he heard a chime because when the lady lost her phone, she used the uh, Apple has a lost service that you can make a chime noise. So the phone was chiming and it's believed that he was trying to get the chime to turn off and actually took a picture of himself. And that's how they identified who stole her car. Well, that is very fortunate for the lady that stole that got the car stolen from her because most of the time it's really hard to have like physical evidence. It's just kind of, oh, I identified the witness, but they actually have physical evidence. So that turned and backfired pretty hard. And really, the only real time they can full on charge somebody with guilty on something like this, if they have that tangible evidence or they catch them in the car, in the act of having the car in their possession. Well, my dad actually got carjacked one time when he was coming home from work, and I remember they had to dust his car for fingerprints, and that's the only way that they were able to uh, identify the guy because apparently his car was used in a string of robberies. And so fortunately, you know, they they dusted the car for fingerprints, and the fingerprints matched. But the fact that they have a selfie for this lady is very good. I it's It really is awful that that happened to her, but the good news is is that at least they got this guy and... She, he can be put away, and they don't have the opportunity to get out of it on just probation. You know? um, the second story is a man demands pizza with an AK-47. So there's a Tennessee man of, accused of holding the employees of a Little Caesars at gunpoint with an AK-47 after being told that it would take 10 minutes to make his pizza. Officers responded around 9 p.m., found this man, um, became angry, about being told to wait, then demanded free breadsticks. So the Little Caesars gives him the breadsticks. He leaves. He comes back with an AK-47. And he demands the pizza immediately, which they didn't have ready because this was only two or three minutes later. So another customer handed their pepperoni pizza to the person which he then fled. They later found him, but he was charged with four counts of aggravated assault and one count of aggravated kidnapping because he did have the whole place under siege for about three to four minutes. I have a question. Did he leave the premises and go home and get this AK-47 or did he have this AK-47 just chilling in his car? It doesn't say, but the timing that it's talking about on here because the pizza was only going to take 10 minutes and he came back immediately, it, it appears that he had it on him or in his vehicle and he went out to the vehicle, got it, and came back. I'm going to say a couple of things about this. A, Little Caesars is not worth going to jail for that because he's going to face some pretty heavy jail time because those are some serious charges. Little Caesars ain't that good. B, 10 minutes, man. Literally takes 10 minutes. If you go to Pizza Hut or Domino's or Papa John's, it's going to take them at least 20. 10 minutes is not that big a deal. And most of the time, Little Caesars do, does have those pizzas ready and waiting. So they just were probably out. And the fact that he could not be patient enough, I get it. I've been hungry. I've been hangry. I've been wanting to say some mean things to people when I'm hungry. You're just not you when you're hungry. You need a Snickers. But it is not worth going to jail over some Little Caesars pizza. He should have went big and went, go big or go home. He should have gone to Pizza Hut, got the stuffed crust pizza, got everything. And the fact that he took only three to four minutes to have the place kidnapped means the police were doing a pretty good job. Those kind of situations can turn into like hours. 
Well, I, I honestly think it's because the uh, the other customer handed him a pizza and he then left, and they found him off down the road with the Little Caesars pizza. What I think is crazy is they tried to make it right by giving him free breadsticks, which he demanded. They didn't have to do that. I'm assuming because they have their policy for basic pizza. It doesn't say what kind of pizza he wanted. Sometimes with Little Caesars, I know if you order a specialty pizza, it can take a little longer. They don't have those hot and ready. But since he left with a pepperoni pizza, obviously he was satisfied with just the regular hot and ready. So I'm not sure the restaurant operation and what was going on there, but... Needless to say, he's going to jail for a bit uh, because he held the whole place down for it. It's what we talked about last week about people being so demanding of customer service workers. And there are these people that literally anything that you do for them to try to make it right, they're just not happy. And to me, it was good thinking on that person who, who was like, hey, you can just have my pizza. That was very quick thinking on their part. So good job to de-escalate the situation and not be in that that hostile environment for too long to me that is just ridiculous that you would go get your ak-47 and be upset about a pizza i mean it's a pizza man like 10 minutes and usually when they say 10 minutes it comes out like five six seven yeah they're trying they're trying really hard unless unless they're stupid busy but even then exercise patience because you got to be understanding of that sort of thing so that is the jelly donut for this week I found both of those stories to be very interesting. That's good, man. So what is the, it's the donut hole, right? For our next segment. Our next segment, the donut hole. And last week we had Chris's movie pick of the week. This week we're going to have something a little different because the donut hole for our new listeners and even existing listeners are, is a different segment each week. We can just choose whatever we want. It's, free-flowing so this week i'm going to spot or spotlight a air crash report and yes plane crash fun not fun the thing that i want to state first there are many people out there that are afraid of flying i just want to go ahead and say it is way more dangerous to get in a car a boat a train even a train has more likelihood that something is going to happen to you than a plane Right now, there are over 3,000 planes flying just in the United States alone. We don't have that many issues with it. You know, I'm knocking on wood that all of a sudden safety won't go by the wayside. But all I'm saying is they are safe. So your fears are valid and I understand. But in reality, the statistics show that it is good. All that to be said, back in 1986, United Flight 232... And I'm going to go ahead and preface this as this is a miracle flight. This It shouldn't have been this way. So it was United Airlines. They were going from Denver to Chicago. And this was a plane called a DC-10, a Douglas-10. And I'm just going to describe it to you very briefly. It was a very large plane, could hold almost 300 people, has three engines to it, kind of unique design, two under the wings like normal. But then the tail also was an engine. So it was this big torpedo looking engine that was mounted at the tail and that's going to mean something here in a moment so the plane took off from denver they are headed over iowa and all of a sudden they take a shallow right turn like they were supposed to and 
they felt a kick and the autopilot turned off. Normally that indicates in a plane that something is wrong, something major is wrong. So they start looking around, they start noticing that the engine that is on the tail of the plane is not responding anymore and is losing pressure, losing fuel, all that stuff. Also, the hydraulic system is starting to fail. And what that means and why the hydraulic system is important is because that's what controls the airplane. Without the hydraulic systems, you have no way to turn. You have no way to go up or down. You have no way to really do anything on the plane. You can't put the flaps down. You can't put the landing gear down. It controls everything. So they're dealing with this. All these parts were found in a farm in Iowa um, after... Because what ended up happening, that third engine exploded midair. And what ended up happening is one of the pieces of the fan came and cut the main hydraulic line in the plane. And this was at 37,000 feet. So they're now having issues controlling the plane, obviously, because there's no way to control the plane. The only way that they can control the plane is they have control of the engines. So they can, and they only have two of the three. So they can control the left and the right-hand side, and that is the only way that they can turn, gain speed, lose speed, control the plane just by those two engines. So they go through this entire process, and what ends up happening is they find the largest suitable airport in Sioux Falls, Iowa. And what ended up happening, they circled for a bit to lose the fuel that they needed to have the proper weight, but of course they can't put the landing gear down. So they know automatically they are going to be landing on their belly. They know that they're going to be landing on their belly, so they need to make sure that the speed is down. However, they have really no way to slow it down besides pulling the engine's power back, but if you pull the engine's power back, then you have no control of the plane. So they're in a heck of a predicament. Like they're, they're, as some people would say, they're in a pickle and they end up lining up this runway, which they end up landing successfully. Some would say they hit the ground going something. The report here says 282 miles an hour. That was, and that's really fast. Normally it is around 120, 150, maybe. So we're talking 280. That is very, very fast. And luckily, they had a third member on board. There was the two pilots. They had a third member on board who was, you, who was actually working for United Airlines to train pilots on this particular plane. So he knew every single component about this plane. So in order to get this plane down, they had to have all three people working to steer the plane as much as they could with these engines, keep everything in line, they end up impacting the ground. And it first hit the right wing. And so when it hit the right wing, that is where the fuel tank is. So instantly ignited, instantly exploded. So the plane then takes a roll. As you can imagine, if it hits the right-hand side and kind of digs into the ground, it's going to go nose first and then take a tumble especially at that speed. All that to be said, the plane ended up shredding, of course, catching on fire. It, there were several explosions. And the witnesses reported it being a cartwheel end over end until it didn't stop. Here's the miraculous part. There was 296 people on board. 
only 112 of them died. And I know 112 is not a good number, but if you think about it, that is the vast majority of people survived, including the pilots. They survived. And the the impact was so hard that it flung people over 150 feet away from the site. So when the emergency workers were trying to get out there, there was a field full of people and they had to go through these field full of people. And all these people were clamoring towards the emergency vehicles, trying to get onto the fire trucks, trying to get onto the ambulance. They're trying to get to the plane and they're telling them to move away from the plane, but they're all trying to, you know, grab on and everything. So, but I can only imagine being in a plane crash, not only being in a plane crash, but surviving it. Now you're sitting in this field and of those 296 people that were on board, the survivors, there was only 26 people that had major injuries. The rest of them were, had minor injuries, few cuts, few bruises. Think about that. You hit the ground and the plane tumbled many times almost 300 miles an hour and barely bumps and bruises and the pilot survived. Everybody survived for the most part. The only big thing was smoke inhalation was a big thing. And then also the explosions got people, but it was instant. But I find that to be an incredibly, uh, just an incredible story. That That is a miracle and a half. To be honest, with most plane crashes and how they work, they should all have been gone. That is a pretty interesting story, and like you said, very miraculous. It's by the grace of God that not more people died, because that sounds like it's a catastrophe. But that's a pretty interesting story. I just have to shout out to those pilots, because they really saved the day. They really saved the day. They made it the best possible way um, to for survival, and I'm very grateful for them and I'm sure all the people that survived and their families are very grateful. Of course this happened back in the 80s so this was, you know, this isn't new news but at the same time that's it's incredibly miraculous uh, and just can't say enough about the great job that the pilots did. Yeah, good job to those pilots and that's a very interesting story. People love those kind of stories so you did a good job with that donut hole man. Good job. Our next segment is what fries my donuts? And this is observations, things that we notice in society that really get under our skin, really grind our gears. And I'm going to start today with what really fries my donuts. You know what fries my donuts? What fries your donuts? And I'm going to call, these are a type of people, okay? And I'm going to call them the one-uppers. You all know these people. They won't let you have a story for nothing. Any story you tell, they always have a better one. Or they always have something worse that happened to them. I'll give you an example. I was working last week and I was at the cash register ringing up this lady's groceries. And this lady just seemed absolutely tired, just wiped out. It was probably 6 in the evening. And she was like, man, I am so tired today. I've been up since 5 a.m. And the lady behind her was like, well, I've been up since 4. And the lady was like, well, yeah, that's that's earlier than me, but I've been dealing with inmates all day. 
And the lady behind her was like, well, I work for the post office, so I deal with stupid people. And that's like dealing with inmates. And everything that this woman said, the lady behind her just had to say something like even more acting like, oh, I've got it worse than you. She couldn't let this lady just be like, oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're tired. I understand. There's a difference between trying to relate to somebody with a story and just frankly one-upping her one-upping them and when this lady that was behind her that was the one upper got to my got time to check out I was just talking and I left my badge at home to scan because it was like my last day at that store and I left my badge at home and I asked one of the other guys hey can I borrow your badge and the lady was like well I can't even get into the door at my job if I don't have my badge and I'm just like lady shut the heck up I'm tired of these one-upping people that always have something to say and I will tell you nine times out of ten these people are full of crap they just want to make themselves feel better because I don't know they don't have anything going on but it's always that Uncle John fish story of my fish was bigger and each time it gets bigger and bigger and these kind of people are so annoying it's like you don't have any sympathy you're very selfish you're very egotistical don't don't be that kind of person. You got anything to add to this? Absolutely. So I, I actually knew a guy, Chris vaguely knew about him, but uh, back in the day there was a college that got a kicker on scholarship based on it, it, one of those 50-yard line, you know, you or not 50-yard line, but you kick a, you know, a field goal during the game for scholarship money or free whatever. And so this guy comes out there and he hits a bunch of field goals and our the kicker wasn't very good uh, at the school at the time. So they said, well, you know what? They offered him a scholarship on the spot. They said, wow, you're really good. Here's a scholarship. Come play on our team. So he was instantly on the team. And that's groundbreaking news. Very next week, somebody was telling somebody else about that. And one of these classic one-uppers, he said, oh, yeah, well, you know, I was at this NFL game. And I was kicking field goals at the very front of it. And, you know, I just kept hitting them for 50 yards out. And for those of you who don't know football, it's okay. 50 yards is a long way to kick a ball. And he, he said, oh, I just kept hitting these 50 yarders and 50 yarders and 50 yarders. And then the head coach of this NFL football team saw me from his office at the top of the stadium, which FYI, there is no offices at the top of the stadium unless it's for some sort of club, but not like coaches. And... He came down there and he offered me a job on the spot and said, you can be our kicker and, and everything. And I told him, no, I'm not going to do that because I have a family and I want to support my family. And it's, it's one of those things you're sitting there. So you're turning down millions of dollars. I mean, I, I get being a family man. There's nothing wrong with being a family person, but you're telling me you would turn down millions of dollars to go kick in the NFL quit your job and everything, have a whole new lifestyle, change everything. Just, no, no, I couldn't do that. Well, these people, if you pay attention to them, like I said, they're, they always have some kind of elaborate story or some kind of big story. It's never an ordinary story. I knew this one guy, he had been to prison and before he went to prison, he was like in the underground drug world and it was like all of it. He was like, I was the baddest. I was this and that. Most of the time, if you have to brag about how bad you were or how good you are or how you've done this and done that, most of the time, if you have to brag, it means that you haven't done it. 
it like I said, there's there's this old saying, the game is sold, not told. So if you're over there running your mouth about what you can do and how good you are, nine times out of ten, you can't really back it up. And there's no hate and no shame in, you know, promoting yourself and not selling yourself short. But at the same time, your actions speak louder than words. And if you're always talking about what you can do and this and that or how hard life is for you, and you almost find, fall into a victim mentality. And those are the kind of people, too, where I'm just like, man, you're being a victim. You're always a victim. Or you always have some story about how your life is worse. And it's like, I don't like when those one-uppers, someone's going through a really tough time. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, when my my dad passed away, this then this and this happened. It's like, let that person have their moment. Let that person have their moment to shine or their moment to go through stuff. You don't have to add a story just to make yourself look better. Because you don't know what that person is going through, too. They might be telling you small bits of the story because they they might not have anybody to talk to. you know. And they're telling you to get it out because I don't care who you are. If you're going through stuff... Also, something else too. You got to tell somebody. There's you. You have to have that support net. And so, if you, you don't know what that person is going through, don't don't one up them. Let them have their time. Let them tell what's going on with them. Like I said, there's a difference in telling a story to try to relate to somebody and saying, "Hey, I've been through something similar. This is what happened. This is how I got through it." You're telling that story to help that person versus you just one upping that person and that lady in the grocery store really made me upset and I just wanted to tell her to be quiet but I couldn't do that she was obviously a Karen just by the way that she conducted herself and the way that she told me to bag her groceries and check her stuff out she was being a total Karen anyways I digress that's what really fries my donuts don't be a one-upper be more conscious and I'm more conscious about telling stories also too this is another thing before I get done I love animals. I don't hate any animals, but I hate the people that always have to talk about their pets all the time. And you can tell when people get in a room, they're always one-upping each other about their pets. They're like, oh, yeah, well, my cat did this. Oh, yeah, well, let me tell you about when my dog did this. And it's like, in reality, I don't really care. Most people don't care. And I get being proud of your kids, too. You should be proud of your kids and brag on your kids. But when you're just one-upping and having a peeing contest about who kid is better or who whose pet is better, then, bro, just stop. Just stop. I'm going to take it to a deeper level because when you start doing things like that and you want to one-up, especially when it comes to kids, I've noticed that parents have tendencies to either you know give their kids gifts or let them do things to where – it's not really for the kids. It's not really for the kids. It's for the bragging rights that my kid is doing this. You know, my kid is ballet. My kid's taking flight lessons. My kid's doing whatever. But it's not really for the kid's benefit. It's for you to be able to one-up your friends. And that's not right. Anyways, that was another soapbox. I'm sorry. I digress. We can go a long, long time with that sort of thing. That's what really fries my donuts. But out with the negative stuff, on to the fun stuff. And that is our mystery donut. And that's the sprinkles donut. And this is our improv segment. Last week we played Fortunately. Unfortunately, that game did not last long because Micah said some things that just made me laugh. But this week we're going to do our free improv where we are going to choose an accent. And then we're going to choose a location and we are going to just see what happens. We have no idea what happens. We just kind of play off of what the other one says. Yeah, it's it's always fun. So let's uh, let's stir the 
the choices here. So our accent, we're, we're having a country accent. Country bumpkin. I love it. Country bumpkin accent. And then as far as place is concerned, we're going to have at the opera. Oh, that's going to be interesting. Two country bumpkins at the opera. Now, I'm going to say this before we start. What we are about to say in no way, shape, or form reflects our personal beliefs or the personal beliefs or views of Trash Can TV. This is a comedy sketch only. What we are saying is for comedy purposes. Viewer discretion is advised. If you get offended easily, I'm sorry. You might want to skip past this part. Man, Jim Bob, how I get wrangled into going this here opera? I was told they were taking me down to the town Talladega 500. And next thing I know, they got me going down to this fangle opera house downtown. Barbara Joe, she done tricked me. She said, hey, Billy Bob, you gonna have to wear a jacket. And I came in with my Dale Earnhardt jacket on, and they said, no, sir, you need one of them sport coats. I said, there's NASCAR on it, ain't it? That's a sport. It's a sport, and it's a coat. I don't understand why they don't accept that here. You know what they said, too? They said I couldn't wear my overalls in here. They said I had to have at least a shirt on underneath it. I said, no, no, I want airflow. I ain't got, I got horrible glands. You'd expect me to have no, a shirt on? Well, that short little funny little French fella with the, with the bow tie and the French accent, he looked at me kind of funny when I came in. I said, listen here, Jeeves. I said, you want a tussle? I said, I'll go outside. I said, sir, do you got a spit can? He said, a what? I said, boy, I'm speaking English to you. I said, you got a spit cup from my Copenhagen? I'm about to run out. You got another roll on you? I got another roll on me. I should have stopped by a convenience store for that and get myself some more wintergreen myself. Yep, got that Copenhagen long cut wintergreen. I tell you that right now, that's some good stuff. They don't make it like that no more. Hold on, hold on. Hey, you, you got Miller Light? Miller Light. I'm over the cores, man, myself. I like them Colorado Rockies. I like when you see your, see your beer getting cold and you see them mountains turning blue. That's how you know it's really cold. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I don't mind cooler myself, but Miller, that, that, you know, it'll work too. Whatever gets you that way. What in the heck kind of show we seeing here anyway, Billy Bob? I don't know, but there's a failure in the mask, and apparently I see some some wires hanging up here so he might come over us is it about that sending gun that barn has his face it's called the faint phantom 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 of the opera or something like that i think that's what it's called because whenever they said something about it i thought about the first episode of star wars and say i hope it's something like that now billy bob when is your goofy country bumpkin behind ever seen star wars what you should be over there watching nascar not no star wars i saw it on accident I was on a plane one time going out to see family, old Johnny boy down in Mississippi. And next thing I know, they be playing in Star Wars, and I see that Obi-Wan Kenobi fella, and I said, hold on now, what is this? I kind of liked it, ain't gonna lie. Hold on one second. Ma'am, excuse me? What you mean about my Confederate flag? You know what? Let me tell you something right now. This government is propagated by the liberal media and they're trying to take my Diet Coke, they're trying to take my NASCAR, and they're trying to take my Confederate flag. And I say, you know what? Come on, baby boy. I'm ready to fight you. All I know is my wife was saying something about going to dinner afterwards getting a filet mignon. I don't know what no filet mignon is. 
Well, I really personally like the K-Bob, so why can't we go to K-Bob's after this? They got the salad bar. I don't understand. I like salad bar. They gonna have a salad bar at this place where they got the filet mignon? Well, you know what? I tell you what, I can't spit on the floor in, in, in that kind of place. They let me spit on the floor at K-Bob. Yeah, that's messed up. They don't even give you a cup display, I bet you. And you know what? They expect us to wear a coat here. They don't expect us to wear a coat over there. And you know what? I'm going to tell them to tell them the same thing. I ain't putting no shirt on. Hey, you got a Mountain Dew bottle or a Yoo-Hoo bottle or something? I can't spit my... Th- I feel bad about spitting all over this nice party rug. Well, that's what they got shampooers for, but you know, I'll tell you what, I got a couple extras over here. I'll tell you what, shampooer, you just take a good old one of them rug doctors, bring it from the grocery store, get one of them rug doctors, that sucker come right out. That sun gun, you scrub and scrub and scrub, come right out. I'll tell you that much. And you know who I saw not too long ago down at the K-Bobs? I saw old Dale. Dale? What's he doing? He uh, He's still on retirement? Yeah, he's still on retirement. That boy of his, though, he ain't he ain't worth his salt, what they say down at the tire shop. Well, you know what that boy happened to him. The doggone liberal government, they done taxed 401k, taxed the poor man's retirement and everything. It's a conspiracy, you ask me. They come down here, they, they told us not too long ago they were going to have some sort of nuclear explosion underground and testing and stuff. Excuse me, you want me to be quiet? The show start. Well, you know what, buddy boy? If you want me to be quiet, you're going to have to come take it from me. But I tell you what, you show up at my house acting like that, you're going to be staring down the barrel of a 12-gauge shotgun. I'll tell you that right now, buddy boy. And that was our mystery donut with improv. Yeah, that was pretty good. I enjoyed that very much. Um, we're, we're both from the South, so we can go on and on and on about that. And trust me, that was the tame version of what we could have done with that. We are not country bumpkins. Let me put that out there right now. Again. The views that we portrayed in the improv segment are in no way a reflection of Chris or I's beliefs or the beliefs of Trash Can or the Donut Box podcast. It was just comedy. It was just making fun of the stereotype. We are getting close to the end of our podcast. So our next donut is the eclair, which is why we try to offer you guys some positive advice. I'm going to let you go first again this week, brother. All right. Well, my positive advice for the week... This week for positive advice, I want to give us in the new year a little bit of a encouragement. Stop and smell the roses. Listen, guys, we've come a long way. We've come a long way in just the past year. I think about myself a year ago, and man, I, I hardly recognize myself in, in a good way. A year ago, I was dealing with so much that was not, I mean, I'm not going to get into that. Dealing with so, so much and didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't know how to cope with it a lot. And I sit here and I think about what kind of progression I've had over the past year and the exponential growth that's happened over the past few years. I think about myself even five years ago. I was a totally different person five years ago. I, you know, even a year ago, Chris and I touched on it last week, but I wouldn't have imagined that we would even be doing a podcast. If you told me we were going to be doing a podcast, we would have eight states and various countries around the world listening to us. Definitely would have told you you're lying. Definitely would have had the, I, I would dare to say courage to do it because it takes a lot of courage to put your voice out there and everything. But I am very happy that we did. And it's not just even about the podcast. It's about everything in life. So on this new year, don't worry 
if you're not where you are, and it kind of plays off of what I said last week for my eclair, don't worry about where you're at currently. Think about the growth you've had. A lot of times we don't stop and celebrate the amount of successes that we have. We just look at the negatives, and unfortunately, that is how some of our minds are wired and how our society kind of goes with it because it's not about what you're doing. You can have 20 good things going on, but that one bad thing is going to pull your mind down. Think about those 20 good things and think about the growth that you're having. And the one thing, it'll work itself out because you're continuing to grow and you've identified it, which is the first step. We're going to go yin and yang here because part of mine is about the past. I was watching The Lion King and you, if you know the story, you should know the story if you like The Lion King. I've seen it. Simba is supposed to be the king, but something traumatic happens in his past. And he's going off and he's being Hakuna Matata with uh, Timon and Pumbaa. And his Mufasa visits him and he says, remember who you are. You're more than you've become. And Simba was letting that past hold him back. Don't let your past hold you back. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It doesn't matter what you did a year ago, two years ago. If you messed up own that mistake and if you've owned that mistake and you've apologized and move on don't let that hold you back I know that's been a struggle for me as I continue to think about oh man I messed up so much the future is going to be so messed up because of that one thing that I did three years ago and you know what each day is a new day the Bible says that God's mercies and grace are new every day and don't let that hold you back remember who you are remember the person that you were born to be remember what you have been called to do and don't let that past hold you back. It's so easy to stay captive and stay stay a prisoner in that cell to your past. But your past is your past. You can't go back and change it. So why worry about it? You can only control what you do moving forward. And with that being said, I'm keeping it short and sweet. Remember who you are and don't let your past hold you back. One thing I'm going to add, let me ask you this. The things from your past that would hold you back, would you say that compared to your successes and the growth that you've had, they're one or two things compared to a good amount of things that are actually positives and pluses. Yes, looking back 10 years ago, five years ago, thinking about those things that I messed up on, I'm like, man, this is just little. This is just little stuff compared to the growth and the amazing choices that I have made and the direction that God has taken me. And so it's been a good thing. Those things that you worry about five years, 10 years from now, they're not even going to be that big a deal. It's just going to be a little blip. Absolutely. And that is a trick as well that you, I I think about that all the time. When there's a problem, I think about in 10 years, will this even be a thing? Will I think about this? Will I laugh about this in 10 years? And a lot of times the answer is either no, I won't think about it, or yes, I will think about it, and it will be a small speck in the rearview mirror of life, and I will laugh at the hardship that happened, and I'll forget how hard it was. But that was a great positive segment, and um Really appreciate your insight on that, Chris, as well. And I am going to let you do the the plugging of the information here. I'm going to keep it short and sweet because we talked about it at the beginning. But make sure you go check out our website, tvtrashcan.com, tvtrashcan.com. Visit our Facebook, our Instagram, our YouTube. Subscribe so that you can get updates whenever we're coming out with new stuff. Like I said, we're going to be coming out with new content. So be looking for that. Again, help us out by supporting us, not by li- just by listening, but also by liking, sharing. Be interactive. We want to interact with you guys. So we are so glad that you listened to us. This was a great podcast, and I'm going to let you finish it out. All right. 
Well, we really, like Chris said, we really appreciate all of our listeners. We're appreciating how much it's growing. Tell your friends about us. Tell your parents if you're brave. And we hope that you have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week. And I'm Micah. And I'm Chris. And this is the Donut Box Podcast. Y'all have a good one.